Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. What is going on? Bill Ryder with you. Happy Friday. Thrilled to have the honor and the opportunity to fill in for Jim a second day in a row. Loving this Southern California lifestyle. Just moved back in the last week. So thank you to Jim. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to the guys. Robert Desmati producing today. James Kelly on the board. We have so many. Man, radio's a small world. So many contacts and relationships in common. What we don't share is an affection for Jay Cutler. But you know what? Nobody's perfect. By the way, this program, as always, today brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. I bring up James' love for Jay Cutler because I'm going to use Cutler as an example. Never thought these words would come out of my mouth to compare him, wow, to Aaron Rodgers. We'll get to that here. In ju- It actually hurt me physically to say that out loud. In just a moment here on the program, in an hour, at Milwaukee Bucks fans, I got you. Fear the deer. You're not wrong. And we'll, uh, we will dive in that 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific slot into Giannis. And not just a huge game, not just the Bucks clinching that top spot, not just a reminder of what Mike Budenholzer has done there, but this is the mark of actual true greatness. The few superstars who go to that rarefied air can do it when motivated by something like anger. And as good as Joel Embiid was last night, he talked a big game And Giannis literally swatted that away in his face a record four times. Giannis is the future of the NBA. We hit this yesterday a little bit. Shaq was right. And we'll circle back to that, dive in a little bit. And we'll do some Final Four previews, final hour of the program here on the Jim Rome Show. Bill Ryder filling in CBS Sports Radio, 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific. Three great guests also lined up for you. My buddy, Reed Forgrave, lives in Minneapolis, covering the Final Four Hoops guru for CBS Sports, cbsports.com, CBS Sports HQ on the show, about 35 minutes. And and I would argue, we're going to have two of the three best NBA writers, in my opinion, on the show, the two days I'm lucky enough to be filling in. Had Howard back from Bleach Report yesterday, Sam Amick is legit, and bonus Sam Amick, great person moment. The guy that uh, introduced me to In-N-Out Burger, which was its own, oh yeah, life changing moment who knew such good things could come out of sacramento i should have i didn't know i'm from the midwest so sammy will be on the show he's now at the athletic because according to the numbers in front of me 97 percent of all sports writers are required by law in america to work for the athletic and sam is certainly one of them again 140 eastern is the time we'll talk to sam and jeff goodman also hoops insider for stadium going to be on the show at 220 eastern and Goodman called out Matt Norlander on my own show, right of the news, 6 to 10 Eastern here on CBS Sports Radio. Norlander let me know that Goodman never pays for dinner, and we're going to drop that cut on him and see whether or not that cheap but talented dude finally coughed up some money. But I want to start with the Aaron Rodgers story. Ty Dunn in Bleacher Report with a very comprehensive look at a remarkable level of dysfunction. In an organization in the Packers, because of their storied history, Certainly I and most of us, when we think of, we think of a well-run ship. And of course, if you want to weigh in, love to hear from you. There's a lot of ways to do that. 1-800-636-8686. Rome at haveatake.com. On the old email, Jim on Twitter at JimRome, JimRome.com. If you want to hit me up, sports writer, sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. 
I'm a big believer in culture. I'm a big believer, even though it's not a sexy storyline, and if I were on one of those shows on television where you're supposed to scream at each other at the top of your lungs, it wouldn't really play there, that your owner and how that person manages the folks beneath them and how they manage the culture and the superstars that shape it in the rare cases where someone has such an amount of talent that they have a disproportionate level of power over how it feels to go to work every day is the single most important outcome. Maybe after, and it's a maybe, Maybe after talent. And we've seen this before. I referenced Jay Cutler. And I understand it's irrational. I'm a Bears fan. I'm not going to pretend I can back this up with facts, you know, information, reality. I hate that man with a burning passion on a level you can't believe. The other day, I'm back in L.A. after being in New York for a couple years. Bumped into somebody. They'd listened to the show a couple times. Very cool of them. They said, are you Bill Reader? I said, close enough. It's Ryder. But do you know what? The fact you got the first name I'm in... And they just randomly told me a story about how they belittled, they were at a bar, also a Bears fan, they saw Jay Cutler a few years ago, several years ago, after a loss, and drunkenly belittled him and said, you're a crybaby, and got kicked out of the bar. That person's my new best friend. I hate Jay Cutler. Not like I don't like him as a player and he hurt my team. I loathe him. I hate him. I don't want physical harm, but if you say, hey, Ryder, sign this this document, and Cutler is banished to Siberia forever, I'm 100% and enjoy the cult. In part because he was a terrible force on that culture. And it's not all irrational. I mean, my feelings of Edmund Dante's Count of Monte Cristo-level vengeance that I want to enact is probably irrational. But back in my reporting days, and in my TV days when I'd move in and out of green rooms with guys that play in the NFL, if you brought up Jay Cutler's name to a bear who played with him then or after the fact, and the guy kind of looked around, I'm thinking of some big names, Man, happened to the Super Bowl this past Super Bowl, too. The, the words they would unleash and the, pa- the picture they painted ruined the Bears. I'm not going to do the Chris Paul thing too much. I've done a lot of my show, but l- the brief version is Chris Paul's an amazing, amazing player. By all accounts, a great dad and a terrible person to work with. I mean, just not a good teammate. People do not like him. Why did the Clippers always fail to be successful? And I would argue, why do I doubt the Rockets? Because Chris Paul is as good at destroying a culture as he is dishing that basketball. LeBron James can actually go on both sides of this equation. And I'll give you an example that I think is closer to Aaron Rodgers. We circle back to this Ty Dunn story. Ben Roethlisberger is and has been the bad guy in Pittsburgh. It ain't Le'Veon Bell. It ain't Antonio Brown. And because on my show I call Roethlisberger Little Ben, if I just muscle memory into that, just know I can't call him Big Ben here on the program, here on the Jim Rome Show. Because that guy would freeze out his own receivers? Was a uber diva? Get out of here. And there's examples on the other side of this thing. Say what you want about Tom Brady and the weird kissing on the lips of his son in the Facebook documentary that I can't erase from my brain. It's not, you say, Ryder, that's, that's, you know, apropos of nothing. True, but so is that moment. So it's just like a nightmare comes back sometimes. Tom Brady. Whatever you think of the dude is a winner in part, especially in the first 15, 16 years of his career, who was willing to subjugate his ego and be made an example of at the hands of Bill Belichick to set a tone and what a culture for that team. LeBron and his best did it. Peyton Manning did it. Steph Curry is the most important player outside of LeBron James in the NBA and certainly the better warrior. Better means what will get us championships than Kevin Durant because he did it. And how bummed I was to read the Ty Dunn story 
that not only is Mike McCarthy, or I guess I should say he was a joke, and that doesn't surprise me, but Aaron Rodgers is a big part of the big part of the problem. And to those of you listening, saying to yourselves, who is this Bill Ryder guy? Hey, what's going on? Bill Ryder, CBS Sports Radio, 6 to 10 Eastern during the week, filling in for Jim Rome. And who is this Ty Dunn guy? Well, let me say this about Ty Dunn, if you're not familiar with him. He specializes in long-form stories, really long reads, but they're reported. And they have, over the last few years, played themselves out accurately. I'll just give you one example. He wrote the definitive story heading into the Sean McVay era. When Jared Goff was a joke and everybody said he was a bust, why Goff might be not just legit, but utterly underestimated. And we had him on the show that I host, and we let him say his spiel, and it was really smart. And I remember saying to the audience, like I'll say to you now, what happens to Jared Goff will define whether Ty Dunn's reporting bears itself out or not, because that's a big limb to walk out on. And he got it right. So when he reports that former Green Bay running back Ryan Grant said that Aaron Rodgers always had a chip on his shoulder with McCarthy because McCarthy passed on him with the Niners for Alex Smith, I buy it. And that's a malignancy. That's a cultural cancer you got to get past. You don't think Tom Brady had a reason to be mad at Bill Belichick for rounds one and two and three and four? Get out of here. Ego at a certain level of greatness. And I'm not going to sit here on the Jim Rome show and pretend, filling in for Jim, that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. He's not. He is the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. And I understand that there's a, a gulf you have to cross from your talent to whatever legacy you're going to leave. But what Ty Dunn has illuminated is why it hasn't happened. One Super Bowl championship for Aaron Rodgers, if that's the way it ends, is a failure. And we all thought it was a Ted Thompson failure or a Mike McCarthy failure or a defensive coordinator failure. Should have known. I should have known. We should have known. Culture's key. Hey, listen up. Finding high-quality clothes that fit great is not always easy. In fact, it's almost always hard. This is why I'm so fired up that I now know about Outer Known. Outer Known, founded by Pro Surfer and 11-time world champion Kelly Slater. I have my gear. I've been wearing it. I've got their sweaters. I've got some pants. It looks awesome. It feels great. My wife, Janet's like, damn, look at you. Where'd you get that? I said, Outer Known. She's all about it. My two sons think I look pretty cool. And the thing about this company is they've got a mission to not only provide great clothes that do not harm the environment. Outer Known clothes are for people and planet. High quality, sustainable clothes, durable construction, and a great fit. And they look amazing. Outer Known also only works for factories that pay fair living wages and provide safe working conditions. So what I'm saying to you is this company is about all the right stuff, founded by a legend, and the clothing looks and feels amazing. I'm wearing mine all the time. Go to OuterKnown.com today. Enter my code name Rome at checkout. You'll get 25% off your full price order. That's OuterKnown.com. O-U-T. E-R-K-N-O-W-N.com. Remember, use my code Rome at checkout. Get your 25% off. Check them out right now. Outerknown.com. Do not forget the promo code Rome and get your 25% off. Well, you know what we're seeing with the Lakers right now? And I hope Jeannie Buss pulls out of this nosedive. Huge fan. Huge Jeannie Buss fan. She is smart. She cares deeply about her father's legacy. And she was willing to do the hard thing and fire her brother. But, and in this podcast that Trinket's little pieces are dribbling out, this business podcast where she says, in, in answer to will Luke Walton be there, I'll defer to Magic Johnson. 
just reinforces for me the Lakers are becoming the Browns of the NBA. A culture of dysfunction in a place that swallows up talent. In Cleveland, they swallowed up quarterbacks. And I'm worried in L.A. they're going to swallow up guys like LeBron. Why? Because culture is everything. It matters. And Aaron Rodgers is a huge part of the problem. I should have known. We should have known. An unnamed source in, in Ty's story says that Rodgers always complained that his coach had a low football IQ. Maybe the lowest of coaches he's had. Look, I've been in the, the radio business and TV business and the writing business a long time. And I have worked for some remarkably low IQ individuals. Not anymore. Any of my bosses listening, you're the smartest one that I've ever worked with. <laughs> By far. Yes, you. You are the one I'm talking to. But you don't say it to the crew, whatever your level, important or low on the totem pole, when you're in that moment, when you're in the foxhole. When you're a team, you operate like one. And an ex-Packer scout, and those some of you are reticent to buy into anonymous sources. A, it's the only way you're going to get information. B, if you've ever gossiped in your office about somebody and not walked into your boss's office and been like, by the way, I think you're a moron, then you're a hypocrite right now. And C, again, Ty Dunn is a guy that has a track record. He gets stuff right. Ex-Packer scout says Rodgers is an arrogant quarterback, quick to blame everyone but himself, not as smart as he thinks. I had to read that over a few times because I'm like, is this a story about Ben Roethlisberger? I'm super confused what's happening here. Oh, no, it's Aaron Rodgers. And you should take Ty's word for it. You should take my word for it. Bill Ryder with you filling in for Jim Rome. What's going on? But you don't really have to because all the way back in December, shortly before Mike McCarthy was fired and he felt all the feels because it was people were mean to him because he got fired... So mean, Aaron Rodgers walked out to the microphone. Remember, guys, at the LeBron level, at the Brady level, at the Aaron Rodgers level, they're not some backup linebacker or four-string wide receiver, or I hope someday I'm the, I'm the sixth man of the year in the NBA player who doesn't understand sometimes the power of the microphone. These guys get it, and they've captured it. Aaron Rodgers spends half of his time, they're pretty funny, doing insurance commercials. He understands the magnitude of his words. So this isn't just throwing his coach under a bus. It is throwing him under a fleet of greyhounds as they race by on the 405 at 80 miles an hour. Well, I just think it's the same things that we unfortunately say every week, and I hate to repeat myself, but it's applicable. We're just not on the same page consistently. We're not executing the right way. It's the same stuff. It's poor throws, not on the same page with receivers, wrong depth, protection. We all have a part in that, and we've all picked – our time to mess up a third down. You know, I, I listened back to that this morning, and I had this horrible revelation. It just occurred to me. Aaron Rodgers' little finger from Game of Thrones. Oh, my God. Chaos is a ladder, and Aaron's been climbing it. But, buddy, if you are a Game of Thrones fan, you haven't caught up, A, shame on you, and B, it's too late. You're going to get God, dude. Winter is coming. Culture matters. Leadership matters. Guys not believing in you matter. I haven't even gotten to the fact that as part of this reporting that Ty Dunn lays out, and it's not like Mike McCarthy comes out smelling like roses. He's getting massages during team meetings. Yeah, a little to the left. No, actually, how about down the hall and to the right? Because you're supposed to be talking to your team right now. I'm not saying Mike McCarthy gets a pass. Sounds like he should have been fired sooner, but bad cultures beget bad cultures. It does. It becomes a cultural cancer. These malignancies can come from multiple places. And at a certain point, if you're a Packers fan, you don't care about the cause and the effect. 
if there are problems that keep you from excellence, you want them addressed. And a lot of us thought, I thought if you just uprooted Ted Thompson and maybe Mike McCarthy, you got him at the roots, you'd be fine. No, this thing is spread. And whether Aaron Rodgers was the catalyst or he's now been infected by the big contract and being part of a place that doesn't know how to build an idea and a notion of teamwork, it doesn't matter. In this report, he's freezing out receivers who don't go with the offensive plan he wants as he wrestles it from Mike McCarthy? No, man. Aaron Rodgers and the reason he's won a single Super Bowl, which is an underachievement for his talent. Remember, again, that's why I hate Jay Cutler. Shouldn't have even been in the postseason. Bears had the best record in the NFC that year. All they had to do was win, I think, on the road at Green Bay. But still, and you keep the Packers out. Packers get in. Packers get hot. Packers go to Chicago. Aaron Rodgers gets it done. And you are what your record says you are. I get that. He got the Super Bowl, but it was by a thin margin. Even his mark of excellence was a close call. And now we know why. Because ego is the only thing that can take down the kind of talent Aaron Rodgers brings to the table. When you need auto parts but you cannot get to a store, visit OReillyAuto.com. You can buy your parts online and pick them up in the O'Reilly Auto Parts store of your choice. No shipping costs, easy returns, and convenient pickup on your schedule. Shop your way for the parts that you need at OReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. I was just talking to the guys about how the first time... There are several... In every career, and for me to be sitting here on the Jim Rome show is a level of opportunity and I suppose you call it success I never imagined. And there's at every, so I look back at every step, there's four or five turning points and Jim Rome was involved in four, and five, or four or five of those. And one was doing the old Jim Rome show on CBS Sports Network, changed my career and changed the career of the guy that's joining me now, Reed Forgrave, based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, is there, of course, covers Hooch for CBS Sports, Reed how scared were you the first time you did that Jim Rome TV show and met Jim? <laughs> it was like the first time I'd ever done any like actual real television. Me show. too. Yeah. And you don't meet Jim until uh, the, the, like the very first day when you're in the makeup room and they pull back the curtain and you know, walk out to the stage and it was just like, all right, all right, calm, calm, breathe, breathe. <laughs> right. Wipe away the, the sweat. Read Forgrave. Here on the show, Reed, you're you're in Minneapolis. We've got four teams, obviously, that are left from four different conferences, and some surprises. I think for a lot of folks, not everybody, Texas surprise, Texas Tech, Auburn's a surprise. Do you like this tournament as it's found its way to the Final Four? How do you feel about just the games and the storylines this weekend? In a word, no. <laughs> the uh... Because I think the Final Four should be something that is for the casual fan, not just a big-time college basketball fan. If you're a big-time college basketball fan, I think there are incredible storylines at this Final Four. Uh, frankly, the one that I think does rise to that next level as far as like a narrative goes is Tony Bennett and the idea of this Virginia team uh, you know, one year and three weeks ago having you know, the worst loss in NCAA tournament history. First time in a one seed lost to a 16 seed. And then coming back and having a chance to win it all, it's incredible. It doesn't surprise me because Tony Bennett is the type of guy who, who handles these type of things uh, really, really well. He said it, What he said this week is it's been like a very intentional effort as far as uh, confronting that demon over the past year with himself and with his players and everything that it taught him. Kyle Guy told me that he uh, 
kept a picture of that UMBC game on his phone as wallpaper for the past year to remind himself, like, this is what God looks like. Uh, and it gives himself some perspective on life. That is a storyline that I think is universal and beautiful and amazing. Uh, the other storylines, I think, are a little bit uh, tougher for the casual fan. Uh, I mean, Bruce Pearl, a year and a half ago, we wondered if he'd still have a job because of the FBI investigation. Here he is taking Auburn to his first Final Four. Chris Beard and this this just scrappy, underrated Texas Tech team and how they've turned Lubbock, Texas, into a national power in basketball. Uh, and then Tom Izzo saying what he said the other day was that he needs this national title, his second, what would be his second national title. He needs his validation for his own career. I think that's fascinating for Coach to just come out and say that. But let's be honest, though. Uh, the casual fan, they wanted one thing and one thing only in this Final Four, and it was Zion Williamson. And he ain't here, and he doesn't deserve to be here because Duke wasn't good enough, plain and simple. They should have lost. They, they, they should have had a one-in-three record in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they end up losing that last game. That is a bummer. The fact that some of those Blue Bloods aren't here, and it really could have – I mean, the idea of a Duke-Carolina title game uh, just would have been amazing. Like, it would have been a ratings bonanza for CBS. But I do think if you if you look a little bit deeper into these storylines, there's some awesome storylines here. It's just not as obvious to the casual fan. Reed Forgrave here on the program. Follow him on Twitter at Reed Forgrave. I'm Bill Ryder filling in for Jim. Jim Rome Show, CBS Sports Radio. All right, Michigan State, Texas Tech. What Chris Beard has built in three years at Tech is pretty remarkable, Reed. One of the best defensive teams in the last 20 years, this Tech team. And we know what Izzo and Michigan State are. Walk me through who wins and why in that game tomorrow. I, I have this gut feeling that Tech's going to win it all. Uh, it, it kind of flies against conventional wisdom because uh, really they don't have the scoring power, uh, the scoring capabilities that you usually see from a team that wins it all. And yet there is something about this group. When we talk about that scrappiness, it's such a cliche in college basketball. Uh, you know, the under-recruited guys, nobody believed in them, and here they are on the big stage overachieving once again. You spend some time around this team, and it is so true. Uh, the way that I mean, they were picked seventh in the Big 12 in the preseason. Nobody believed them. They lost five of their top six scorers. Their best player, Jared Culver, he's going to be uh, a lottery pick. He might be as high as a top five pick. He's a guy who's a three-star recruit coming out of school. Uh, Chris Beard is one of the, and I don't use this word lightly, one of the geniuses of this business. Eight years ago, this guy was coaching semi-pro basketball in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. He has this absolutely insane path to the Final Four, and yet here he is. I get that he's going up against one of the March Masters. Tom Izzo is absolutely incredible. And this Michigan State team, I mean, this is also a team that's kind of against all odds, uh, but here they are. They don't have those one-and-done level players. Uh, they don't have a Jaron Jackson or a Miles Bridges, but they're a better team for it. Uh, Cassius Winston, uh, he is just one of those little dudes that you're going to see in the, at the YMCA in 20 years, and you're going to be like, he's still doing it. I can't believe it. Such a smart basketball player. I know NBA scouts aren't as high in him as perhaps they should be uh, when you look at his college stats. He's just a little bit small, but he's such a smart basketball player. And point guards win titles. That's what we usually see. But there is something about this Texas Tech team, maybe because I'm it's a recency bias. I spent a lot of time around him in uh, Anaheim, the West Regional. But there is something about him that really strikes me as special. Reed Forgrave here on the Jim Rome Show. All right, Reed, so we have Jeff Goodman on in, in about an hour and a half. And Goodman 
is reporting, and we'll talk to him about it, that Coach K wants to dial back the reliance on one and done. And we have seen several programs over the last six, seven years. There's a couple exceptions, but largely the teams that have won the whole thing have had upperclassmen, guys with some experience. What is the right way to build an NCAA champion in this era, for at least for now, while the one and done still exists? Yeah, I mean, everyone's going to be dialing back. It's not going to be an option anymore pretty soon. Uh, so Coach K may be a few years ahead of the curve there. Uh, I think the best way to construct a team in this era uh, looks a lot like that. Uh, look, for a blue blood, right? Like, like there's going to be a, a Villanova-type program that just goes about things in a different way. That recruits three- or four-year players and has have a program to put them through so when they peak, their team, team peaks. But if you're a team that's out there and is competing for these one-and-done guys, and there's a dozen or so schools who are generally in the running. Uh, I look at that 2015 Duke team, uh, and then I look at, frankly, this year's Kentucky team as two great ways to go about it. You get two or three elite-level one-and-done type players, but then you have that, that veteran experience. Uh, this Kentucky team had Reed Travis, and I think that was a guy who could have been a difference maker. Uh, clearly was not a difference maker. Uh, but could have been a difference maker for this team. And, and when we look at that Duke team, Quinn Cook was a really big t- part of what made that Duke team run. Uh, they had those three freshmen who were one-and-done players. They also had Grace Mellon. We kind of forget about him on that team. But Quinn Cook and then Emil Jefferson uh, were guys who really made that team succeed. So uh, as long as one-and-dones are still around, I think – that way of doing it, not going all one and dones, uh, but getting a little bit of experience mixed in. I think that's a great way to great way to go about building a team. All right, Reed Forgrave, I got to give you some credit here because you and I have known each other. Oh my God, world for twenty plus years, close friends. When I was doing radio early on, you came on. I think in October, and when I even never even heard of Wichita State, you said there could be a Final Four team. I mocked oh, you every yeah. weekend on the radio. Then I had to apologize to you on national radio. Then last year. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. I, hey, man, I'm willing to own up to those mistakes, even though I have a show called Rider Than You 6 to 10 Eastern. What are you going to do? And then last year, my doubt having dissipated it, because I've been through it with you, you who cover the intersection of college hoops and the NBA, so the draft really right in your sweet spot, you said repeatedly on CBS Sports Radio, on CBS Sports HQ, any place that would have you, mostly those two notes, Ken. Uh, you said that Luka Doncic should be the number one pick in the draft, and it wasn't even close. So, with that with that track record, Reed Forgrave, covering this thing, being an expert on this thing, Zion or Jean Morant, who should be the top pick in this upcoming NBA draft? It should be Zion, 100%, period. There's another universe where Jean Morant, maybe even R.J. Barrett, could be the number one overall pick. But in the echo chamber that is the NBA draft, uh, and when you take in some of the ex- external factors here, there's no one else that will be the number one pick than Zion. Because, look, if, if let's say the Knicks get the number one pick, uh, you want to be relevant. Like, if you're a small market team, you want to be on national television. John Morant is not going to get you on national television. John Morant isn't going to sell tickets. Zion Williamson is going to sell out the garden. Zion Williamson is going to get the Phoenix Suns onto national television in a way that no other player gosh, in recent memory could as a rookie. So I think that is something that, uh, that really, really matters. When you look at, I don't think Zion is 
as much of a guarantee NBA star as some people think. Uh, we've never seen a player like this. The comparison to LeBron James isn't correct as far as playing style, but it's correct as in this is a guy of which we've never seen. To me, I, I look at him and I see not Rick Griffin, not Charles Barkley. I see a guy who's Julius Randle, but more skilled and more athletic. That is an all-star, period. That's a really, really good basketball player. And he certainly has the potential to become something more. I mean, truth is, we don't know the type of player that he's going to become, whether it's LeBron-like or Draymond Green-like or something that we've just frankly never seen. All right, Reed Forgrave, last one for you. Give me the 30-second version of who is playing on Monday and who's getting, who's cutting down the, those nets. Sounds like you have Texas Tech over who? Texas Tech over Virginia. Uh, I think that would be not a ratings bonanza, but I tell you what, college or high school basketball coaches, the nation over, will be like, study this defense. This is how you play defense. Those are two of the best defensive teams I've ever seen. Uh, the fundamentals is absolutely incredible. Incredibly well coached. I get the Tech doesn't have the scoring efficiency or the scoring potential that we normally see. But they got Jared Culver, and the dude is probably the most talented player, maybe DeAndre Hunter, but probably him, uh, left in the Final Four. Uh, that would be an extraordinarily low-scoring game, one of the lowest scoring that we've seen in a long time. And it would be close, and it would be scrappy, and it would be fun. Uh, I'd love to see that. And then I'm going to actually pick Texas Tech to, to beat them. I, I can't believe Lubbock, Texas is my pick to win the national title. But there it is. All right, Reed Forgive. Actually, I lied to you. One more, but this one's got to be 30 seconds. You have a vote for all the NBA awards. Last week, you were going to put Harden at the top of your ballot. Have you come to your senses after last night's game? Do you have Giannis number one? Completely torn still. I have one week to make a final decision by next Friday. Still leaning Harden, man. Like, the, the, the history of what he's doing. Uh, you know, highest scoring season since Michael Jordan. Uh, second highest since Wilt Chamberlain, half century. And the fact that he's done it on a team that he's needed to do it for, this isn't just ball hogging. This is what the Rockets have needed. That's where I'm leaving. Uh, don't quote me on it for another week. I want to keep rolling with the aftermath of this Ty Dunn story and Bleach Report. Well-reported, sourced, anonymous sources and name sources that fills in the blanks. Why has Aaron Rodgers had so much trouble taking at least what to me is the most talented arm quarterback combo in the history of the game. The guy is a stud. And I'm a fan of Aaron Rodgers, Packers fans, right? Me at Sports Rider, Sports R-E-I-T-E-R. I don't want to be. I'm a Bears fan. But trust me, I hate Jay Cutler. I don't hate Aaron. I'm rooting for Aaron Rodgers to get past his ego and channel his greatness in a better way. I'm rooting for Jay Cutler to volunteer voluntarily for the space program, be the first man to just go see if there's other life, some, you know, light years away. Good luck, buddy. Send a message through the technology you find out there. But the reality is that ego gets in the way. It fells really talented guys. Chris Paul has never won a championship because of himself, not because of his teammates or his opponents. That's a fact. Same for Jay Cutler. Absolutely the same for Jay Cutler. And there's guys on the other side of the equation. Steph's greatness is, to me... Beyond, beyond something you can question. But he created this juggernaut as what a seventh round pick with an 11th or a seventh overall pick with an 11th overall pick and a second round pick because he created a culture where it was about winning first. A selflessness combined with him. Trust me, ask the official this past weekend, the Minneapolis game. Steph's got an ego, but he channels it to victory. Tom Brady's got an ego, but he channels it to greatness. 
Peyton Manning, egomaniac, but not in a bad way. Ego's not bad. Had Tom Crean on the show yesterday, and Tom and I get along real well now, the Georgia men's basketball coach, but our first interactions were edgy. Something about my interactions with people that are start off edgy. Maybe that's a personality flaw by me. Now that I say it, it took the Jim Rome show to realize maybe I got a, maybe I got a little Aaron Rodgers ego in me, but not the Aaron Rodgers talent. Crean and I got off to a rough start because I called him arrogant in a column that praised him. I don't got a problem with arrogance. I think arrogance is good. It's the old Wall Street greed is good. Ego can be good, but it has to be to a purpose. Not to the fulfillment of your ego, but to the execution of your goals. And Aaron Rodgers hasn't done it. And a bunch of you want to weigh in, 1-800-636-8686. Let's do it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out, clones. I know these are big shoes to fill. I won't pretend I'm filling them. I'll just tell you, it is a thrill to be hanging out and sitting where Jim Rome sits. Jim, of course, back on Monday, Bill Ryder filling in. Matt in L.A., my new home. What is going on, brother? You're on the Jim Rome Show. West Sider Rider, A, from Manhattan Beach to Manhattan, New York, to dude who is just like, man, can you just mix in some deodorant after I give you this dollar to IRA Craig? You're welcome. Bill, I've been a fan since you and uh, Kirk Morrison were spelling Jay Moore, since you and the lovely Leanne Tweedin were hosting on the L.A. Airwaves. So uh, big respect to you, my brother. I wanted to come in because uh, you tickled me a little earlier with the little tidbit you were saying about uh, Jay Cutler. You see, uh, my dad, huge Chicago sports fan, all about the Bears, right? And I can clearly, vividly remember when they signed him. And I was actually like, you know, because I'm a Raider fan. I was like, hey, man, Pops, this guy's pretty good. You know, uh, he might make a difference there. And he was like, are you freaking kidding me? I've caught this guy's act in Denver. He's a loser. He'll never win anything. And sure enough, it was like Pops was like Nostradamus because he ran that Chicago Bear franchise right into the closest telephone pole, if you will. And uh, I think we've all caught his act on the reality show. I don't have a big problem with him, but he clearly is a D-bag. Hey, uh, that's all I got, Bill. Keep up the good work. Keep ripping on that CBS Sports Net. And uh, that's all I got. Outro. Matt in L.A. Thank you, brother. And uh, mad respect to your pops. I think your dad and I have some, some happy years ahead of us. Not sure Trubisky's the answer. I am sure Matt Nagy is. And I think he can turn whatever Trubisky is into the right thing. God, I can't. God, I can't wait to the, see the Bears get to Super Bowl and just lose 45-3 to and be reminded at the highest stage, I'm still a Bears. It'll probably happen at the L.A. Super Bowl. That seems like I'll probably be there. Awesome. Cannot wait. Bill Ryder filling in for Jim Rome. 1-800-636-8686. Man, Matt in L.A. went to some salad day stuff for me. I love Kirk Morrison. Kirk is my guy. Did the Kirk Morrison show. Did that show with uh, with Leanne. Man, man. The, the path to here was certainly an interesting one. I feel like a very lucky dude to be sitting here, hanging out, listening to Matt in L.A., do his thing. Thank you, my man. Sean in Minnesota. Appreciate you listening. Bill Ryder filling in. You're on the Jim Rome Show. Hey, Bill. Thanks for taking my call. I've got kind of an odd take. I'm a Packer fan from, from my whole life. Been a big Rodgers fan, big Far fan. But I think one of the biggest problems for, for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers was basically winning that Super Bowl. 
and that may seem an odd take, but I believe it kind of validated Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy's approach. Ted, Tom, Ted Thompson is a average general manager. Mike McCarthy was an average head coach. Winning that Super Bowl kind of gave them a free pass. Ted, Thompson, Ted Thompson's approach was to build to the draft. He ignored free agency, ignored trades, and the talent slowly leaked out. Mike McCarthy had a wealth of talent and was successful managing that talent with Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That talent went away, and you see McCarthy's coaching act, and then just kind of went down. That's why I think that they really didn't make a very good, uh, very good team. The other thing I have to say is that, that Aaron Rodgers is just not the leader, even that Brett Favre was. Over and over, you see Aaron Rodgers throw his receivers under the bus. I'd see Brett Favre throw to an open receiver. The guy made the wrong route. You know, his head's down. He comes back to the huddle. Next player, Brett Favre goes right back to him. And the guy just is, is going gonna, is gonna to go to battle for him. I see Aaron Rodgers, you have a receiver makes a mistake. Aaron Rodgers might not go back to him the rest of the season. That's kind of what my take was. Thanks for the call. Yeah, Sean, appreciate you, buddy. Look, I, there's, a, there's a wealth of sins to go along, go around for what's bedeviled the Green Bay Packers. Ted Thompson's not getting any sympathy for me. Not, not by a long stretch. And I, I don't want to soft sell Ty Dunn's story and the Mike McCarthy portions of this. The fact that Aaron Rodgers thought he was stupid. Lowest football IQ of any coach he'd ever been around. That according to the report, and McCarthy denies it, but what else would you do? When he was supposed to be in meetings, the report goes, he was somewhere getting a massage. <laughs> Come on, man. Get the massage later, coach. Come on. Come on. What are you doing? I do think that for a long time, Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy and that entire organization got a pass because of how incredible Aaron Rodgers is as a quarterback. Same thing for John Elway in Denver. Don't pretend John Elway is the executive that he was the quarterback. He's not. He's a disaster. The only thing that's happened for John Elway that's gone wrong is Peyton Manning Manning decided, Denver sounds like a good place to go. I'll go there. I bought it. I was I was I even went to his dealerships for a while. It didn't work out either. I mean, I'm telling you, a massively talented quarterback can make mediocrities look really really smart. However, however, over time that's not going to last. And if that results in a culture of a QB knowing it and he sours and he turns and he becomes the guy you don't want in that huddle in terms of leading guys, well, you're going to get what you have in Green Bay. Disappointment and underachieving. Bill Ryder filling in for Jim Rome. 1-800-636-8686. Mark in Las Vegas. What's up, buddy? You're on the Jim Rome Show. Yeah, hey, Bill. Thanks for taking my call. I listen to your show in the afternoon. You're driving in every day. Uh, quick take, though. I think you're off on this Aaron Rodgers take, man. I'm a, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I was born and raised. Grew up in that area. Watched him break my heart several times over the years. I think uh, McCarthy was the issue. I don't think he was a great coach. I think he uh, definitely underachieved at his level for what he had around him, and he wasted Aaron Rodgers' good years with some bad coaching. I think Roger overachieved the last couple of years with a mediocre team he's had around him. He plays through injury. He makes spot-on throws. He checks down four or five receivers. He hits the open guys, and he runs for first downs. He takes command of the huddle. He makes the guys around him better. And at that level, I think he's earned a certain amount of arrogance and a certain amount of of that ego that he has because he's a champion and because he wants to win 
And I think he's disappointed with everything they that they haven't given to him. That's my take, brother. Appreciate you, Mark. And I remember you. Yep, you calling all the time on the show. I host six to ten Eastern, three to seven Pacific. Rider than you here on CBS Sports Radio. Bill Ryder filling in for Jim. Let me also say this: we have a tendency, not just in sports, sports fans, sports media, just in America today, to not be able to to dive into nuance. We don't do nuance well. We run to our pole opposites. We cluster on one side or the other of our extremes. And the truth here is a complicated one. Aaron Rodgers is so talented. And Aaron Rodgers can also, at times, be the problem. And I'll go to a comparison that I know up close and personal. I know the guy. I've covered the guy. He has hated me. He has granted me an hour sit-down, more like 30-minute sit-down television interview which to him is a, a big piece of political capital. I've been around LeBron James a lot. And the reality with LeBron, just like Aaron Rodgers, but I can speak to LeBron because I've covered him as part of my life, my career, these dudes are nuanced. There are complications. You can be, and this applies to both these guys, a massive talent who's a great dude away from the game, who gets a massive ego for whatever reasons, goes to Miami, gets the contract, who forgets who they are in terms of in that locker room as a leader, who gets some humiliation, some criticism they never expected, who becomes this thin-skinned, why are people mean to me? It hasn't ever happened. Who then, and LeBron got there, Aaron hasn't, figure it out and say, you know what, I don't care what people say per se, but there's some truth in this. We all screw up. We all make mistakes. We all look back at things we've done and say to ourselves, man, what was I doing? For me, it's, you know, two in the last three days. Like, it, it happens. We go through it. It's part of being a human being. And the other complication is once LeBron got it right, it's not like it was forever. He's reverted back to the wrong version of LeBron his first year in L.A. And what do I know about LeBron now? He can fix it, and he can fall back into it. We'll see where he goes. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers can fix it, but I know that stars can. This isn't a Aaron Rodgers, you suck, you're an idiot, you're terrible. This is a... Here's a reality, Green Bay Packers fans. I'm not crushing your guy. I'm offering you some perspective that if any of you have access to Aaron Rodgers, you see him at the grocery store, you can send some good thoughts into the world, burn some incense, whatever it is. Put a pin in a Bears voodoo doll. I don't know. Try to understand this is about Rodgers being the solution and the problem. That's a rare place to be as a superstar. Get a better attitude. Own a little bit of your mistakes. Recognize that failure is always the key to success and the ability, and it's hard to know when you're in the wrong or when you're just surrounded by idiots who are telling you you're wrong. It's a hard thing to have a compass on. Aaron Rodgers figures it out. Packers will be great. Aaron Rodgers keeps being a guy that teammates don't like, don't believe in, thinks is about his ego and throws people under the bus. Well, Green Bay, welcome to being disappointed for a very, very long time. Email Rome at have a take. Dot com. We got an email. Dear writer, where in the heck did this Rogers kid learn about work culture and leadership? He is just too damn much drama. I cannot understand where this came from. Regards, Brett Favre, Gus in the 414, unwar adults who wear pajamas in public. Thank you, Brett. It's great wisdom there, buddy. Selflessness, team first. When Aaron Rodgers starts struggling with retirement, maybe you can uh, you can weigh back in on the right way to exit gracefully and graciously. 
888-729-3586. I want to get to Giannis in a minute, but let's, uh, I'm a little hard on Aaron Rodgers and accurate on Aaron Rodgers, but I get it. It's a painful thing if you're Wisconsin. Welcome to the darkness as an NFL fan. Eric in Wisconsin. I got a lot of family. Appreciate you, brother. You're on the Jim Rome Show. Hey, thanks for the vine, Bill. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, you bet. So I think it was just kind of a match made not in heaven. Uh, I think McCarthy's a fine coach. Uh, Rodgers is obviously an awesome quarterback, um, you know, but just the way, you know, Rodgers is, he needs a friend more than a coach. Uh, so hopefully Lafleur can be that younger guy, younger coach, you know, maybe come across a little more friendly instead of too bullheaded. Uh, I think if, if McCarthy has an older quarterback that's willing to listen to him a little more, I think that would work out well. Um, I think if Tomlin would have been the coach in Green Bay for Rodgers, I think there'd be some more rings here. Um, and I'm a Packer fan, uh, by the way. Um, so I, I think it's kind of like a marriage. If you've got two bullheaded, if you've got a husband and wife and they're both bullheaded, uh, it's not going to work. If you've got a husband and wife and they're both lazy, the house is going to be a mess. Um, so I think, I think we're going to be all right in Green Bay. Uh, I, I think Rodgers is obviously not going anywhere. Um, and I think LaFour will hopefully you know, become his friend and, and still be able to coach him up a little bit. Um, wore uh, Bill Ryder being an awesome co-host, guest host, and wore the Woodscopes. Thanks. Eric, thank you, buddy. You're, you're not wrong, by the way. I love the take. I'll just say this. What does it come to that Aaron Rodgers needs a bestie? My feelings are real sensitive. Could you hire someone who will go to the new uh, Avengers movie with me? Because I'm real lonely. Then I can win Super Bowls. Okay. I get it. All right, Wisconsin. Let me shy you with some love where it is well-deserved. It ain't the Green Bay Packers. It is the Milwaukee Bucks. And by the way, just to make my point, not much has changed in Milwaukee from last year other than Jason Kidd is a disaster in terms of culture. And you ask around the NBA like I have, having covered it, Kidd's an all-timer. He also has a reputation, fair or otherwise, and it's fair, for being an all-time, how do I say this nicely, political backstabber. And that doesn't create great cultures doesn't create an environment where people can be successful. This isn't me just making this up. It matters. Bring in Mike Budenholzer, former coach of the year, stud in Atlanta. Some drama went on with the Hawks. He got bumped up to a level he didn't belong at. Shouldn't have been a president of operations or a GM. Now he's in the right role, and Milwaukee is a completely different team. So the culture changed, and they became went from, what, I think a seven seed last year to the number one seed officially locked in. But there's also this, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the future of the NBA. We're not in a post-LeBron NBA yet. Stop it. 27-9-8, stop it. He doesn't care. But it's coming. Someday, time comes for all men, and when it comes for LeBron James in a real way, Giannis is filling the gap, and here's how I know. Here's how we all know. Actual, true, remarkable superstars go to another level when they're angry, they're inspired. Jordan, Mike, felt this anger at the Knicks. And so there was something about his hate for them that when he went to the garden, he would just drop 40, 45, 50 because he's an actual star who rises to the real challengers and humiliates them. That's what he does. Steph Curry got pissed off this past weekend and he's gone on a tear when he's decided to shoot the ball. It's been ridiculous. Tom Brady got suspended for four games. Right or not right, suspended for four games, came back against Cleveland and led that team to a whole other level, became an MVP the following season, all a chip on his shoulder. And Giannis had a similar situation. Joel Embiid, who's no slouch himself, said recently that he, Joel Embiid, the most unstoppable 
player in the game. Well, guess what? Sixers against Bucks last night gave Giannis a chance to weigh in on his opponent saying that he, Joel Embiid, not Giannis, is the most unstoppable player. And before Giannis went out there and did the things I'm describing, rising up like a true superstar, Giannis wasn't afraid to give his perspective on that kind of arrogance. If he believes he's the most stable player of the NBA, you know, that's good for him. Um, obviously, he's a really, really good player. Uh, it's hard to guard. He's a hard player to guard. But, you know, uh, I, I think like other people should say that about you. You don't say that about yourself. That's exactly right, Joel. And Giannis showed it. Hey, Giannis, I got you. You're the most unstoppable player in the NBA. He went out there last night, and I know Joel Embiid had a nice game. Great game. 34-13-13, two steals, three blocks. Great game. Didn't get the W. Because the best player on the floor last night was Giannis Antetokounmpo on the second best team in the NBA. I'm not going to... I can't get it this twisted and pretend that Milwaukee's going to beat the Warriors in the NBA Finals this year. They're not. I don't think they're going to win a game if they get there. I really don't. Maybe a game. But the Warriors are crumbling before us because that whole culture thing we talked about. Hello, Kevin Durant malignancy. And star player. You can be both. You can be both. We're human beings. We're complicated creatures. But Milwaukee's coming. Giannis last night, 45 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, and 5 blocks. 45, 13, 6, and 5. And by the way... He blocked Embiid four times. That is the most times Joel Embiid has ever been blocked in his career. That is a superstar move. That is a guy competing against somebody who's a stud himself. Joel Embiid is a top, he's a future top three player in the NBA if he's healthy, and it looks like he's going to be. Problem is, Giannis is the number one guy in the future. That's a lock. You saw it last night. He imposed his will. Giannis imposed his will on one of the best players in the game. Joel did the talking, and Giannis finished it with his fists on the court the way you're supposed to. He dominated. So Milwaukee Bucks fans, stop turning to Aaron Rodgers for your hopes and dreams for your sports teams. Turn to Giannis. You got the right coach. You got the right core. I know you want to be a little bit healthier. Bad luck is part of the deal. And you have the future superstar in the game. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the man and he's going to be the man, and Milwaukee's going to be great for a long time. And It's not going to be an easy path. The East is interesting and going to be interesting. Next year, when Durant and Kyrie are together, there'll be a top-four team that'll go out in the first round like the old Clippers and Lob City days, but they'll be interesting in the regular season. The Celtics, when they get rid of Kyrie, or he gets rid of them, going to revert back to that team that last year took LeBron and the Cavs to a Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Philly, a lot of addition by subtraction. I think better off when Butler's not there. It's not a good fit talking to people. This isn't a secret. And it's Tobias Harris. But Embiid and Simmons together, ooh, man, that can be something special. So it's not going to be easy for the Bucks to be the cream of the Eastern Conference in the years ahead. But last night, Giannis just showed he doesn't want easy. He wants to humiliate actual challengers. He's going to do it. Congratulations, Wisconsin. As one star fades under the burden of his own self-importance, another is emerging way to go. He feasted on the self-importance of an opponent, Joel Embiid. If only he could do that to Rodgers. Like, just consume his ego, and Aaron could be okay. We're going to go right now to one of the best Embiid. We, I think we've had two of the three best. There's three guys. We had Howard Beck yesterday. He's one of them. Sam Amick's the other. Very graciously making some time on the show. Sam, what's up, buddy? 
Mr. Ryder, how the heck are you? I mean, Howard's a, a tough act to follow. You didn't tell me that's what I was doing today. I, no, no, you guys are, you know, don't tell Howard, but I'll give you the 1A. No, 1A and 1A. You guys are both 1A and 1A in, in my book. Like is it like the MVP race right now a little bit? Man. All right, so, <laughs> Sam Amick, you have a vote, and I know that there's a week left. I, I, I get it, but your, your, your ballot today, what does it look like? <laughs> Man, it's funny you ask that, Bill, because, like, I wrote this thing the other day. I'm giving you the long answer, but you know, I talked to Mike D'Antoni, and you know, this time of year that the, the you know everybody's kind of putting you in the spin room and telling you why their guy is the guy and he should get it. So I talked to Mike. He was candid as always. He was fascinating, and he really had me convinced that James was the MVP. And and I still might go that direction. But then Giannis goes out, and I know it's only one of 82. But I, you know, I, I do. I love the fact that both these guys are kind of pushing hard until the finish line of the regular season. So when Giannis goes out and puts out the kind of line that he did last night, you know, like even regardless of opponent, that was an incredible line. But to do it against Philly and another big and Joel Embiid, who, you know, is is actually kind of a fringe MVP candidate. He's certainly not winning it, but that was impressive. And it reminded you not only of how great he has been, but then the Bucs are getting even closer to, you know, that 60-win threshold that I think could help his case when it comes to the voters. So I, I do think it's close and I really can't tell which way it's going to go. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, if I put me on the spot right now, probably Harden, but I, I got to look at it a little deeper. Sam Amick here on the show. Sam, we've known how good Milwaukee's been all year. They've been consistently great. They're defensively really impressive. When they're healthy, they're really, really deep. What is the realistic upside for this team? Do they have it? If they make the finals, Sam Amick, can they compete? Can, can they push the Warriors? I think they can. It's just the tough thing for me to reconcile is that you just have the like the X's and O's uh, part of the conversation and the fact that schematically what they do and talent wise what they have, yeah, you know, yes, that's enough to compete with the Warriors, 100. percent But then you have the human emotional kind of maturity standpoint, which is a team that got bounced in the first round the last couple of years in the Bucks, and that's just that would be a heck of a jump, and we don't see it all that often now. Coincidentally, I had a, an enjoyable chat a couple of weeks back with Mike Budenholzer about trying to come up with other examples of teams that made that jump. And he brought up the Warriors from 14-15 uh, when, if you remember, you know they, uh, they had lost, I think, to the Clippers the year prior. And, and they had been to the second round two years before that, I believe. So they weren't complete playoff babies, so to speak. Uh, but the Bucks, that would be a heck of a jump. And so I don't know when they get into the second round, if they get to the conference finals, you know, they're kind of they're, the way they handle the marathon. You know, how does that process go? But in terms of just being a hell of a team, I think certainly they could challenge anybody. Sam Amick, national NBA writer for The Athletic. I already subscribe, but if you don't, Sam alone is worth the price of admission. And proof of that, Sam, there's proof all the time. But a story that you wrote recently, I think it dropped maybe two days ago. You had a long conversation with Mike D'Antoni about what's going on in Houston, his philosophy, his approach, his optimism. What were some of your major takeaways from, from that talk? Um, that he's amazed by James, which sounds like the most obvious headline ever. You know, head coach of good team loves his star player. But the thing about Mike that you know, Bill, is that he, he's, he's one of those guys that, as he put it, he's too old to give an F. Uh, he's 67 and he's, I think he's had that attitude since he was about 37, but like 
I've had conversations with Mike in the past about his star players, James and others, where you were struck by the fact that, that he would actually say things that were critical. He would actually say things that were objective. And that's what I think makes him different. So in that vein, I listen to him when he comes out and decides to, to completely you know, go all in on his guy when it comes to describing what James has meant to them this season. And the things that he highlighted that are you know, really, I think, not tough to argue with, impossible to argue with, is that this squad losing Clint Capella for a large stretch, losing Chris Paul, um, coming off of that terrible start, they were 11-14. and 14. Now, James was producing. Everybody kind of acts like he was awful early on. He was like 38-5 and five in the first you know, 15 games, and he missed a couple games. So, uh, I'm sorry, 25 games. So, you know, they turned this thing around in a major way, and they now have themselves – forget about the standings. If we're just talking about who should scare the Warriors the most, I don't know how you see it, but, like, they're on the short list. Again, just like they were last year, and they actually think they're better – and, you know, as Mike sees it, it's got everything to do with James. Sam Amick here on the show, Jim Rome Show, Bill Ryder filling in. Sam, you know this, in basketball, in our business, in America, in life, there's a fine line between being a joke and being on the outs and being celebrated and being on the cusp. And I find D'Antoni and your interview with him so interesting because it's not like it was 20 years ago when he got outed in L.A. and people thought, well, that proves it. The guy failed in New York. The guy failed in L.A., He's not able to succeed at this level. The game's passed him by, blah, blah, blah. Now you've got Houston on the cusp, last year literally, and a Lakers team that just feels like there's more dysfunction leaking out every single day. You've got Jeannie Buss and this podcast that she did, including comments that when the question is what's up with Luke Walton, if the answer is, and her answer was, I'll leave that to Magic Johnson. That doesn't seem to bode well for Luke. You are very close to that organization in terms of your insight. You've broken big stories in the Lakers before, among other organizations. What do you make, Sam Amick, of what is actually going on with this Lakers culture and organization, how far they are from having it fixed? Here's the thing that's tough to reconcile. I'm in L.A. right now. Um, and, by the way, welcome back to the West Coast, my friend. Thank you, buddy. Um, I, you know, they, they are not nearly as worried about themselves as everybody else is about them. And time will tell which side of the ledger had it right, um, which is to say that on the coaching front, the, the, yes, as we sit here talking today, I, I don't think it looks good for Luke and his staff at all. Um, you know, did some time yesterday talking to different people, and you, you know how it is. It's, it's getting to that time of year when certain subplots of the season end up getting framed in certain ways that, that you know, where the, the agenda is to have the media, you know, know – all these different talking points that then will justify the move that gets made. That's how it feels right now. Um, Magic and Rob continue to get full faith from ownership in spite of, you know, a, a, just an absolute flood of criticism, not only from fans, but around the NBA. They don't have a ton of respect from their peers, I don't think. And part of that I do think is just the Laker way, the Laker experience, that they are that brand that everybody's going to be coming at all the time, but, and then I think a lot of it is, is fair. But this summer is obviously huge. You know, I, I, the question for me, Bill, is like if you go down the list of free agents that could come be, you know, kind of LeBron's co-star, I don't know who that's going to be. And, and I honestly now I'm starting to hear and feel from their side this sense that, well, maybe we don't have to have, you know, a Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard or a, or a Kyrie or, a, you know, even a Jimmy Butler. Maybe it's going to be a – Marcus Morris and a Nikola Mirotic and a, all these different guys who fit 
LeBron well, a la Cleveland in that story, and get them to the next level. Um, you know, a lot of uncertainty, but not a lot of panic, surprisingly, within the Lakers' walls. All right, Sammy, we, we, we dove into this yesterday. I'll, I'll ask you in each case. Let's start with Clippers or Lakers. Which organization is in better shape, is going to be more successful from your perspective? I know it's guesswork, but for you, it's guesswork based on being one of the most connected NBA people in the country. Which organization, Clippers or Lakers, more likely to be successful over the next, let's call it five years? Um, I think we have two questions here, my friend. I think it's because I, I think the Clippers are in a much better spot when it comes to functionality and synergy and chemistry and culture. Um, but this NBA world, players and superstars continue a lot of times to overlook all of those things. And the power of brands like the Lakers, like the Knicks, kind of supersede all of that, which has got to drive some of these people nuts who work so hard to create good situations. So I, don't, I just don't know if it's going to pay off for the Clippers, and it's hard to handicap whether or not that means they're going to have a more successful next five years than the Lakers. Uh, that's, that's where you can't bridge that gap. I mean, the idea that Kevin Durant is seriously contemplating the Knicks, given all we know about James Dolan, is obviously enough to make you scratch your head, and there's a lot of that around the league. So um, the Clippers have done a wonderful job of getting their house in order and putting all the right messaging out, having a structure internally that is very, very functional and positive. And, and now, by the way, the optics of going to the playoffs with a team that has no business going to the playoffs. So I love what they've done. I just don't know if it's going to pay off. Sammy McHugh on the show. Sam, we, we've seen the Warriors do, I think what we all knew they were capable of doing, they just flipped that switch after that, that really, I thought it was funny, that Minnesota game where the officials did not appreciate Steph, John right. Adam, fake fake foul, game over, see you later. Does that indicate, does that tell us that not only the Warriors are going to win, they're going to roll? Or, or do you think there are some challengers between here and another championship parade in Oakland that could be serious enough to at least scare Golden State going forward? I mean, the, the the guys in the East, the teams in the East, you know, those are interesting. And I, we have so little sample size to really break that down that that's hard to handicap. So I'm locked in on the Rockets when it comes to the Warriors challengers. Denver certainly doesn't look very good recently. Utah's looked good, but you just kind of look at the matchups, and I don't think the Warriors would be afraid of them. Uh, you know, Portland's got the injury stuff. Um, I'm leaving somebody out. But Houston has been great. And beyond what they've been doing on the court, go ahead. Oh, I lose you, Bill. No, no, I'm still here. We're just we're, we're taking. Sorry, it I in. got you, brother. No, like so, the Rockets look great, and and I've talked to their staff, I've talked to their players enough to know that what's fun for me about how I think the next couple of months might go, and I think is going to be fun for everybody to watch, is that they they just legitimately have zero fear whatsoever of the champs. It doesn't mean they're going to knock them off, but this has officially become rivalry-esque from the standpoint of they, they, they are convinced that they got the better of them last year in the conference finals. They're convinced that they are better now. They also know, you know, and, and you and I have talked about Chris Paul ad nauseum over the years, you know, Chris is the same age as LeBron, and we're seeing how Father Time is kind of beating LeBron down a little bit this year, and Chris knows the time is of the essence. And James is carrying them the way that he is. I just think their wiring and where they are at as a group is, uh, is the kind of thing that could make a matchup in the playoffs against those two teams really good. Sam Amick, if you're an NBA fan, if you're interested in the NBA, is a must-follow on Twitter, Sam underscore Amick. He is a must-read at The Athletic, and he's a very, very good dude. 
for making some time for me here, filling in for Jim Rohn, Bill Ryder. Sam, incredibly gracious of you. It's great to be back on the West Coast. And I'm, I was telling everybody, you're the guy that introduced me to In-N-Out Burger, which is a, you know, that's a bond that never goes away. So next time I see you, beers <laughs> In-N-Out on me, buddy. I'm not used to you being back in L.A., though. I have guilt about not even hitting you up on this trip, so don't, I'll fix that next time. But don't, don't worry about it. Welcome back, buddy. Thanks for having me. One of my favorite people in the business is Jeff Goodman. Covers hoops for Stadium. Absolutely great guy. And a buddy going back. We met in the green room at uh, Jim Rome's television show. The first time we both did TV. So it's really cool to welcome on the man who's on Twitter at Goodman Sports, Jeff Goodman, onto a Jim Rome show that I am hosting, amazingly enough. Jeff, what's up, buddy? How's Minneapolis? You'll never believe who is walking towards me right now. You'll never believe it. It is the cheapest person in the history of the media. Matt Norlander, who I know took a shot at me the other day, All right. skipped out on the bill last night. He you are a great, great steak place. Yeah. And he literally skipped out. Like, everybody else paid. And, and what happened? Again, Norlander. And this is his M.O. This is what he's done for years. And somehow he, he, <laughs> he tries to portray that I'm the cheap one here. Pro move, just getting to it. Because you're right. Yesterday I had Norlander on the, on the show, Jeff. And you said to call him Nerdlander. And I like puns. My, you know, let's do it. <laughs> And then let's listen to it, Goodman. These are the words on national radio on the Jim Rome show that he directed about you. Jeff Goodman's nickname is Jeff Skips Out on Dinner Goodman. That's uh, <laughs> he never pays his check. So that's that's what we want to put on national radio right now. Jeff, Jeff Goodman Jeff. never pays his check. He walks to the bathroom wow. once the bill comes. I mean, Goodman. I don't know. One of you's lying. What's going on here, man? This is a straight out lie. We'll we'll have to get to the bottom of this. We're gonna. I'm gonna get you some sources, okay. and, and maybe you can get to the bottom of this thing because this is. Uh, this is an abomination. I'm, I'm, I'm very upset at Norlander slandering my name like that. I don't blame you. Not <laughs> cool. Not acceptable. We, um, we talked a lot yesterday about your piece and, and Coach K and Duke and whether they want to recalibrate in the short term their commitment, their leaning on how many one-and-done players that they bring into that program. What can you tell us about that, Jeff? Listen, I was told about this six months ago. Now, again, Kay's never going to get the one, two, and three players in the country again like he did this year, right? I mean, R.J. Barrett came in as one. Cam Reddish was probably two, and Zion was three coming in. Um, so that's never going to happen again. He lost Jeff Cable, who was their best recruiter. He went to Pittsburgh. And I think, I think Kay understood that I don't want to keep doing this. Even though I'm kind of nearing the end, we'll get a couple one-and-dones if we can. But ultimately, listen, Bill, is he going to say no if he has the opportunity to get a one and done? Well, it's got to be the right ones, right? I mean, that, that's the biggest thing. I actually think, I mean, they got the right ones for the most part this year. The problem wasn't those three guys and, and Trey Jones. The problem was what else they had around him. They needed a, a knockdown shooter as that fifth guy that they could put on the floor to help space it because they didn't have enough perimeter shooting to go along with RJ and Zion. Because Jeff Goodman here on the show, because Coach K brought in the three most prized recruits in the country, there were obviously massive expectations. Jeff, is it fair to to call his coaching performance this year? Yeah, Jeff Goodman had just had to run and pay a bill that he apparently skipped out on, and one of the uh, one of the owners heard him on the air and said, "There's the guy that just headed to the bathroom and went out the back door." So we're gonna get Goodman back. 
in just a moment. And who knows? Maybe he didn't pay his, his cell phone bill. I've heard that that's a, that's a requirement if you want to continue to talk on your phone. I would know. I, I tend to just make good on those things. Jeff Goodman is going to be back with us in just a minute when he's done going to the AT&T. I could hear in the background, you don't pay me the money, Goodman, for the pizza. I'm going to break your leg. So who knows what kind of a problem we have. Oh, there we go. Jeff Goodman back on the show. Jeff, we just we just ran a whole bunch of Jeff Goodman had to pay a bunch of debts jokes, just so you know where we went with that. And you... And you, you hear me, Bill? Oh, there you are, brother. You got me. You're back. All right, all right. All right. I'm in this big arena. I've know, been there. Huge arena. It happens. Um, Coach K, failed coaching performance in this tournament, or is that too harsh, given the standards, the expectations, the kids that he brought in? No, of course. I mean, listen, you know, if you're Duke and, you, and you've got four potential first-round picks and you don't get to the Final Four, um, you haven't lived up to, to the expectations um, that you set for this year and certainly that, that were set for those around you. So I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, yeah, I, I failed. I mean, I guess, again, um, didn't, didn't achieve what they thought they would. Um, you know, I got Tom Izzo walking towards me right now. And, you know, one of the things, Bill, like you look at these coaches right now, and I'm looking at Izzo walking in and thinking the difference from Tom Izzo right now and a year ago Tom Izzo and where he was at, where he was getting crucified, not only for losing to Syracuse uh, early in the tournament, but also for everything he was getting hit for off the, off the court. Jeff Goodman here on the show. Jeff, I, I was telling folks who can call in at 1-800-636-8686 to help me talk myself into Virginia over Texas Tech because in my otherwise busted bracket, I did take Virginia all the way. How do you see these two games playing themselves out? Let's start with Michigan State, Texas Tech. Those are two really good basketball teams. Those are two really good coaches. Who's got the edge? I mean, Michigan State, because with all due respect to Chris Pierre, who I think has been the best coach in college basketball the last two years. What he's done at Texas Tech is nothing short of remarkable. And Lubbock had probably the, the hardest job in the Big 12 to go to the Elite Eight, and now the Final Four is insane. Uh, especially after losing five of his top seven guys, including a lottery pick in Zaire Smith last year. But he's still not Tom Izzo. He hasn't been here um, countless occasions. This is his first time at it. And he doesn't have a point guard like Cassius Winston. If you look at all the national title teams over the last 15 years, almost all of them have an elite level or a really, really good point guard. And no disrespect to, to Davide Moretti, but he's not Cassius Winston. So I'm going to go with, with the combination of Izzo and Winston, ultimately. And I think if they can kind of get the pace going and get up and down and control tempo and get out to an early lead, and then you've got Texas Tech playing from behind, and that's not typically the way they want to play and not how they played. That's a great point. Jeff Goodman, Goodman Hoops on Twitter here on the show. Virginia-Auburn. I mean, Auburn just keeps on keeping on despite that significant injury and the fact that as good as they are, I don't think very few of us, certainly I didn't, Goodman, expect them to make it even remotely this far in the tournament. What is the path forward? How does Auburn beat Virginia, and who do you like? I don't think they do. I mean, I, I just don't, don't know how they do. The only way would be if, if Bryce Brown and Jared Harper go completely bananas. Like, Bryce Brown's an elite-level shooter. He came out of halftime last game against Kentucky and kind of got, uh, got them going, right? I mean, they were down five, but nobody really thought they had a chance. They come out of the break, and he hit some big shots, including a four-point play, and they start to feel pretty good about themselves and get some confidence. 
So Bryce Brown's got to hit five or six threes, and Jared Harper's got to play like he did uh, down the stretch, which was completely dominating Kentucky. I mean, making them look foolish. Now, I just don't think they can do that against Virginia's defense. That's the biggest thing. Like, they're just so disciplined, unlike Kentucky defensively and kind of how they got rattled down the stretch. And Jared Harper was like, it was like a video game watching him, the way he was able to just get all over the court where he wanted to finish. But again, Virginia, a completely different defensive team. So I don't anticipate those small guards having the success against Virginia. All right, Jeff Goodman, last one for you. Who is going? Which player that's entering the NBA draft this summer, who is going to be the best player in the NBA in the years ahead? Who are you taking number one if you're the GM? I mean, you got to go Zion, don't you? I mean, Ja, ja kind of – listen, there's not many guys like Ja in a sense of – like Westbrook when he came out, obviously was a freak athlete, but he hadn't done much at UCLA. So nobody knew what they were getting. But even when you look at Russell Westbrook now, you say, all right, freak, freak athlete. But he's not – even though he puts up great assist numbers, he's not a guy who sees the court terrific, right? Like he puts up numbers, they play fast, the ball's in his hands a lot, Paul George can shoot it. John Morant has that gear, maybe not quite as much as Westbrook, but he's got that gear, and he's got way better court vision than Russell Westbrook. I'm not saying he's going to be better. I'm just saying, like, Zion's going to be terrific because of the the spacing uh, in the NBA and if you put some shooters around him. But I think Ja has a chance to be an elite-level point guard as well, especially when you look at the point guards right now in the NBA. And – it's not quite as loaded as it was five years ago. A lot of those guys, I mean, the Derrick Roses of the world, you know, getting hurt, whatnot. So I think Jaws got a chance to be as good, if not better, than Zion, potentially. Jeff Goodman, buddy, we, you and I have both come a long ways from that green room in, uh, in SoCal about to go Are on you the in gym. there now? Is that where you're doing the show? No, but nearby. I'm nearby. I mean, it's dude. It's it is uh, it's heady stuff. Not just filling in for Jim Rome here uh, on the network, but talking to you, man. Amazing. We, I know. I mean, it's amazing that you're filling in for Jim Rome after the way we started. Seriously, we, we I mean, it's bad. one of the cooler things um, to me, and that's why I couldn't say no to you, even though the Michigan State locker room is open right now. <laughs> I, I had to, I, I had to make make time for you. I got to remember my roots and the fact that uh, you helped get me to where I am today, which is nowhere. <laughs> Jeff Goodman, I'm right there with you, buddy. Thanks for jumping on the show. You got it, man. Good night now.